0: Welcome back to Sister Brunch, the podcast all about Black women thriving in entertainment and media. I'm your host, Fanchon Cox, and oh my goodness, we are so fortunate today to have Camila Forbes on with us. Camila Forbes is an award winning director and producer for theater and television and currently serves as the executive producer at the world famous Apollo Theater. Her directing credits include By the Way Meet Vera Stark. The Blood Quilt, and Sunset Baby. She has also worked as associate director on the Tony Award-winning A Raisin in the Sun and Emmy Award-winning The Wiz Live for NBC. I know you all saw that. It was amazing. Ms. Forbes' most recent directorial work, Between the World and Me, aired as a special event on HBO and HBO Max in November 2020, bringing her a host of acclaim and recognition. Throughout her career, Ms. Forbes has won numerous awards for both directing and producing, including an NAACP Image Award, a Helen Hayes and Barrymore Award, and an Adelco. Ms. Forbes' recent projects include, oh, this is so exciting, directing the sold-out world premiere tour and theatrical adaptation of ta Coates' New York Times best-selling novel, Between the World and me. I got a chance to see it, you all. And oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, She's also set to direct the Broadway premiere. I, I, I I I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth because this is amazing. She's directing the Broadway premiere of Soul Train alongside producer Questlove, Playwright Dominique Moriso and choreographer Camille A. Brown. Ms. Forbes is widely known for her ability and commitment to continue to highlight the ideas, complexities, and work of artists in the hip hop community and beyond. We are so, so excited to have you on,
1: Ms. Camila Forbes. Oh, thank you, Fanchin. This is awesome. It's great to be on.
0: Oh, yes. See, I wore um, my sister
1: girl pink for the brunch.
0: You sure did. And you look so good. Oh, and, my god, And goodness. my white
1: shoes. And my white shoes.
0: Cute. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Too perfect. Too perfect. Okay. So, oh my goodness. We, we have so many things to ask you and to learn from you during this time with you. Um, but we always like to start by asking our guests to go back as far as you'd like. It could be when you were born, when your parents were born, your great grandparents, or as far back as you want to go and tell us about your journey to get to where you are today.
1: You know, I like to say uh, I am the, the child of immigrant parents. Uh, my parents immigrated to the United States from Jamaica in the late sixties, early seventies. Um, I like to think of myself also as my great grandmother's wildest dream. Um, when I think about, you know, we're talking about not even a generation out of enslavement um, in Jamaica, and um, and now to see myself um, and my 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 siblings, you know, where we are in this world is quite phenomenal and remarkable. So you know it starts there it 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 starts in that journey my parents moved here um and, and moved to Chicago which is an interesting place for Caribbean wow. people to move yes <laughs>
0: not new york not, not florida not no I know. chicago oh you the know cuz
1: the them cold. did not like the cold in listen, chicago listen <laughs> listen okay this was wow. not the move um, and you know, uh, and so I, I think as a lot of times on that journey, you, you want to you know absorb yourself in the culture as much mm. as possible. My father was a lover and still is a lover of music. Um, my mother, um, you know, is was a woman that's full of empathy and was also a lover of the theater. So that was always surrounding me growing up. Mm. Mm. And I did theater in high school. I played piano when I was younger. Um and, and so you know that I go to Howard University and I yes. study theater. Yes, HU. You know yes. I had to get to the yes. East Coast and um and to, to study to study theater because I, I saw the power of culture and how culture affected people on on a such cellular level. Right. Um. Yes. When 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 a when a book hits you in the right way. When a performance like hits just that right note, something spiritually, physically happens oh. that no other I, I I think form allows you to 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 get to that place. It's spiritual, um, and and I wanted to be a part of that magic. I wanted to be an an alchemist in that magic, um, which is why I started on this journey. Right, um, go to Howard. I study theater. Um, I come out, and uh, you know, I was a was a broke theater graduate <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> you, out. You, 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 and Chadwick Boseman, right? That's right. I'm a very Rest good in friend. Peace. That's yes, right. My yes. brother. My brother. Mm, um, mm. My brother Chad. And we were at Howard together, dreaming of how. You know these revolutionary thoughts of how you know Augusta Wow of how theater changes the world, and we're gonna make that yes. theater that is going to literally change the the, the social political landscape, et cetera. Um, and 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 we dreamed about that together, you know, while we were eating our ramen noodles. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> and in a, and in a school that really nurtures that, we've had right. you know lots of other guests too that went to Howard and HBCUs and the ways that they nurture us, first of all, the um, that we're beyond just one essentialist representation of blackness, of of the diaspora. Um, And it just, I I feel like that constantly shines through when we have guests that went to HBCUs. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, it was, it was a magical thing to study, you know, um, uh, you know, theater or just any kind of like culture in a place that it reflects you, right? Where my foundation were people like, do you know Amiri Baraka? That's that's my classic. That's Ooh. a classic I was studying, right? Like that yes. that was the beginning yes. for me um, at Howard. And 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 at no other place can you get that kind of love and experience before you head out into the world, a real grounding and rooting of self, right? Um, and, and that was really the magic I think of Howard and a lot of my classmates when we were there that continue to be my family now, um, my closest yes. collaborators now. Um,
0: yes.
1: Tomahase Coates, um, Kiana Matthews, close collaborators of mine. Um, and you know, that all started at Howard um, at, with mm-hmm. us kind of dreaming these very big dreams. And, and, and now we're out in the world, you know, t- t- trying to make them reality.
0: Uh, I'll just, I'll just plant another seed for our sisters and siblings that are listening around creating those relationships early on and then, and then maintaining them. The ones that are right for you to maintain right. and healthy for That's you to right. maintain, but that artistry really, when you find those early relationships and can, can continue to carry those on, look, look what you have made out of That's that. Right.
1: Look what what happened. That's right. That's right. I, you know because here's the thing, you know, I, you know I I know that there's so many people think about like there's a secret sauce when you get out. I mean, I I definitely thought that, right? um we graduated i remember before leaving you know howard we were 22. um felicia rashad ta- taught us the last year it was it was our acting instructor oh. last semester right and it was like oh my god claire huxtable's here yes. you know um so of course we're like tell us the secret you know she's we're going through she's she's teaching us about craft she's teaching us about commitment but we're like we want to know the secret how do we survive you know, how, what what are we supposed to do? What is what is the answer? We know that there's one answer and we need you to unlock it. Like that was like, she had like 30 young 20 year olds, yes. like tell us. And I remember <laughs> she had us in this room and she was like, okay, I'm gonna tell y'all. And we were like, okay, we ready. Everyone took out their notebook. And she was, she had everyone close their eyes and like literally on some namaste. And we meditated for a good 35 minutes. And I remember Ooh, opening my eyes yes. like, did she, did I miss Anybody, it? Yeah. What, you know, but, but I realize, you know, what that was, what she was trying to teach us is that the answer isn't something that she can transmit. The answer is right. We have it inside of us. We have it in and around wow. us, whether that's the relationships yes. that we're with the people right next to us, right? Like that is the answer that we have it. And we just got to slow down. We gotta breathe. We gotta trust, and we gotta listen. Mm. Um, I didn't realize that then. <laughs> <laughs> it takes, some, it takes some time, <laughs> and, we, and still we still need still reminders. reminders. Some days we still need rem- reminders, right? <laughs> like, if there's not a magic pill, yeah. there's not a magic person that ultimately opens the door to your future. Right. Um, that there are many right. little steps that are built and relationships that are cultivated, um, that 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 a life is ultimately built, right, not just a career, but a life.
0: This is Sister Brunch, the podcast buying about Black women and gender expansive people thriving in entertainment and media. Stay tuned for more of this conversation with our guest, the award-winning Camila Forbes. And uh, do us a favor, if you love our show, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can follow us on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and share your favorite episode with your friends or your family. Let them know all about Sister Brunch. We're back and so excited to continue this conversation with Camila Forbes. I I know we're we're still in your young days moving, moving forward, but I have to ask about your transition from being a performer to a producer. And just, do you miss performing? Is there a possibility that someday we might see, might see
1: you? You know, it's so Um, interesting, Fanchin, because like you sit in a similar intersection, right? Like as a performer, a producer, right? Um, a writer, right, um, I, I I, was that. And I, I, I thought that at that point that performance was the way through. I, I thought, and, and, and part of the reason, I didn't really know um, all the possibilities at that point. I knew I wanted to perform, I knew I wanted to direct. I knew I wanted to like create the magic somehow and I just needed to figure out how. Um, I loved performing, I really did, um, but I don't miss it. I don't miss it i i um i right right like it's so interesting like i've fallen in love with other things i don't know do you feel that yeah i felt i felt like
0: especially when i did my my one woman show that's when i realized oh i'm a storyteller and that comes in many forms i'm not i don't need to be the one that's on the stage i got that out of my system And it was power, but it, but it was powerful because I was telling my own story. I was telling my family story. I was telling a story about race and racism in the United States. Like, and so those were the important elements and, and, um, and I realized there are so many ways to do that, not just being on stage or being in front of the camera. Uh, so I, and, and what, what I see in your work is how dedicated you are to uplifting others all the time like that's what you do is here's a good important story to tell so I'm gonna put this group of people together like I would love to talk about the hip-hop festival and how the how you got started but that that you are about like bringing community together and shining a light on so many people so many artists um and and not necessarily needing to be front and center yeah yeah even though you are a fabulous sister. And I'm like, you could just, we could all just watch you. Ah! All <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Uh, oh, yeah. well, how, how did you start with the, with the hip? Like, yeah. let's go yeah. there to, yeah,
1: unpack so, the community, community feel too. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. you kind of hit it when you started talking about Jack, right? Like when we were in college, there was a program called... Um, Look, we were studying August Wilson, we were studying Hansbury, we were studying all of these great amazing writers. And as acting students, we, yes. you know, we had to perform them as well. What we began to realize is that, you know, there weren't a lot of stories in the world when we were looking for monologues or plays to do pre- ourselves that were of our generation, that were of our generation at that point in time, voices that reflected yes. us right. in that moment. Um, you know, right. And so we had a program called the Playwrights Lab. Now, I didn't consider myself a playwright at that time. Um, Matter of fact, a lot of my peers were in other departments, whether they were directing majors, whether they were musical theater performance majors, whether they were, you know, whatever. Um, But we were all part of this Playwrights Lab, and it was an opportunity for us to experiment and build work, multidisciplinary work, you know um Mm. devise theater so we really could experiment so this was an opportunity to say solo work right like this was an opportunity for us to say okay let's find our own voice um and we started experimenting with hip-hop theater Chad and i wrote a play called rhyme deferred um and it was you know we were you know we loved hip-hop and spoke a word it was like oh let's collaborate what if we put all of this on the stage again this is 25 years pre-hamilton so like This was like us just dreaming of what could happen. Um, So we created it. We produced it inside of the school. Then we started getting invited outside at festivals um, at the National Black Arts Festival in North Carolina. We got invited to the Kennedy Center. We got invited to New York City. Um, Mm -hmm. And so these were festivals that were producing us. So we got bit by the bug to try to really build, to your point, build community. Because what was interesting at our shows is that our friends would come. I would be casted in place throughout the city, you know, and I was doing, you know, uh, two trains running, you know, i and My friends weren't coming Mm -hmm, to that. mm -hmm. They were just, they were like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's cool. You know, but we'll see you after. We'll see see you after we'll grab drinks with you after break a leg, you know, we're (laughs) at 23, 24. They didn't see themselves reflected, but when we started doing our work, you know, we had two DJs on stage. There was break dancing. It was like, it was talking yes. about the world. Now they were showing up and a lot of other young people were showing okay. up. And this was an opportunity in which the mainstream theater were not producing writers like this kind of work. They had not paid attention to this kind of work. They were recycling the classics. So what that meant was we also started to find other writers and artists and performers and solo artists like us. That were not getting um, that that did not find homes in mainstream theaters. So we had to build community for ourselves. So the producing came out of a necessity to build community for the artists around us that needed a home, but also the audiences that were like, "Yeah, I want to see that." And 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 so that's that's really how I cut my teeth on producing was, it was really out of necessity.
0: I love it. I love it. This reminds me of our mutual friend, Michelle Wilson.
1: I just talked to her the other day.
0: I was like, we (laughs) 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 we love her so much. And yeah, I did, yes, 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 please. um oh, and and so we did the same thing at the University okay. of Michigan, which was we were, you know, we were we were missing our our the ability to do contemporary work, to do work that was reflecting. And so we she she always was running, you know, she was she's a phenomenal actor, but she also was we created black theater workshop together there at University of Michigan. And it just reminds, I hope our listeners to planting those seeds that when there is something that you want to do, especially reflecting who you are right now, you have that mm-hmm. opportunity with community. Like community is the way to make that happen. And that's what you all, that's, that's what you did with this. Oh.
1: <laughs> that's so great to hear. Can I just say that that's so great to hear. People, a lot of people think that like, you know, people, and, and grantedly, yes, some people want to create theater, want to be actors. To be famous to be glitz to be this but majority of us do it to build community we want to be in conversation with one another we want to create art that sparks that makes you go "Mm," that makes you feel that makes you say i never realized that oh this is interesting oh i'm learning something about myself let me be in community with others while i do that and um so it's so cool to hear like other people's origin stories, you know what I'm saying? Like how people came to storytelling, right? The why, the why behind it. Well, you also get to experience, I feel like you
0: get to experience that all the time and your current role as executive producer at the Apollo Theater, because speaking of something that came out of community that, that, you know, continues in that way. And the way you've, can we say revived the Apollo? And the the offerings of the Apollo. Can we say that? Um, can you talk about what a typical day in your life is like, being the executive producer at the Apollo? <laughs> oh,
1: okay, uh, no, it's, a, it's it's actually really kind of beautiful. Um, you know, I it's interesting because I never thought of, of coming here. Of, of like, I never thought of running an institution and definitely not the Apollo. Like I moved to New York City and would drive down 125th Street just to see the marquee in real life. Like that was, it was like a like hollow ground for me. <laughs> so when the opportunity came up, I never really saw myself as that kind of a leader. I saw myself as an artist, as a, as a builder of community. But as I, the opera, but you know, I, I've been at the Apollo now for seven years and I came at a point where the Apollo became a nonprofit over about 20 years ago. My pre- predecessor, Mickey Shepard, was known for literally building artistic institutions across the country. You know, she she came in at BAM at a pivotal point, built infrastructure. You know, she built an organization in Brooklyn called Six Three One Arts built the infrastructure long lasting. And that's what she came to do with the Apollo, right? It's building, not only taking this legacy institution, but building a mission-driven nonprofit arts cultural institution, right? So I came at the point after Mickey had done a lot of groundwork around um, kind of that artistic or that institutional bones to say, well, let's dream. Let's create. What can we build? What do we want to be? Who do we want to be? It felt like being at that black box theater at Howard again where it was like, oh, what do we do here? Like how do I how should we paint the walls? How should we render the inside of the space? You know, and how do we want to render our future? That's what got me excited about being here. So when I think about like so I think about my job and my position truly as still think about it in the creative realm i still think about it as a dreamer as a builder as a creative Um, but a typical day is you know i'm in i i i I meet with uh, my team which is a programming team Um, there's meetings with our senior director of education who manages a you know a 15 person education team and and in hearing about all the curriculum and updates that they're they're employing throughout schools and um, community programs across the city um do you know I meet with our development team who uh, around how I can support their work around fundraising uh because we fundraise close to 19 million million or we are a 19 million dollar organization um a majority of, of which is a, is is contributed income as well as earned um you know and programming team we dream of programming you know what are we going to put on the stage um how, how does what we put shift and change a conversation um you know and um and and, and start to plot out what that narrative wants to be Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. And then
0: on on top of that, you're ca- how much can you talk about soul? Yeah. Training? Yeah. Um yeah. working yeah. with Questlove, Love, wor- you know, Dominique Mariso working with with our le- all of y'all legends working together, who also I feel like are finally starting to get your due um, in a broader sense. We all knew. We all knew each other and then back to the community feel like we know who our legends are, but to start to have, and I think it really started with Between the World and Me and and that crossover into HBO, but to not, and, and then with Questlove's documentary, right, so we are finally getting more broad recognition that we've always deserved what is it like to work with that team well, tell yeah, us as much I, as you can uh, and know, when right? can we see it
1: so um so we've been in workshop mode so kind of closed <laughs> workshop mode uh we will be having a run at act in san francisco uh this august this is sort of our first developmental run august september so early fall in san francisco and then hopefully we don't know when yet we'll circle back to new york um, what is it like working you know i've known dom dom was one of the first when we started the festival I remember when she first moved to New York City, she had this play that she wrote when she was in Michigan, Retrospect for Life. I was like, let's put it in a festival, you know? So we were we were we came up as those misfits, those dreamers here in New York trying to understand how art moves and changes lives, right? Like that we were in that camp together. And similarly so with our choreographer, Camille Brown. Right, like we all kind of moved through our own in our own spaces and lanes, but also crisscrossing with one another, um, together. Actually, I have a poster in my my office of I, I I've had the fortunate fortune of, of to be able to to work with Dom on so many plays and productions as director, um, in development, in workshop phases when it's just in the early stages, and you know, and and I have this this poster here, Sunset Baby, right there. So I I'll always, always, you know, so that's, that's sis, that's my sis, that's family. So like when we're working together, it's like, you know, it's working with family. And, and I, and I kind of feel that about like, when we're building, you know, in the trenches, building art is hard enough sometimes as it is, but also it, it's, it's a love offering and the process should be just as much of a love offering as the product. And, you know, sometimes we forget. I know I've had to take time to learn that and realize. So when I think about the projects I really want to do, it's all about, wait, who am I working with? Who do I want to be in the room with to really, you know, that's really important, Um, you know, so that that's built into the process. And Michelle is also one of those people. You know, I did. We did. We did one of Dominique's plays in Baltimore, Detroit '67, together, as well as a bunch of other ones. But um, you know, that was family. We were all family in that space.
0: Hey, it's Fanchon Cox, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. And during this real quick break, go ahead and uh, follow us on Twitter at Sister Brunch or on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. And you know what? Don't just follow us. Actually, you know, interact with us. Leave us a comment. Let us know how you're doing. Ask us questions. We can't wait to see you on
1: our socials. This is Camila Forbes, and you're listening to Sista Brunch, the podcast all about Black women thriving in entertainment and media.
0: You know, you've done theater forever, and you're crossing over into doing film and TV. And I love that you represent this possibility of making theater more accessible by putting it on on our screens as well. What are the differences between working in those two mediums?
1: Uh, you yeah. know, uh, well, obviously there's a the real obvious of the live effect, right? Like not having the immediacy of the audience. Um, but the flip side is that an opportunity to be in millions of households, um, and, and spark conversations amongst so many different people. I mean, um, Between the World was a film that was made during the pandemic. And we, I've yet to still see it, which is kind of sad. I think I should do a screening, but to, yet to still see it in a theater with people. But, but the beauty of technology allowed us to tell a story at a critical point in time when literally the world was shut down. When literally theaters were absolutely closed, um, and 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 but we had to have this conversation around the worth of Black life in this country, around the honoring of Black life in this country, um, and 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 we were able to make that happen.
0: Okay, um, we could keep you on forever. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to this uh, kind of one of our final questions, and. Um, and I just have to say your commitment, what you talk about in your work and your work at the Apollo in the work that you're doing and you personally, the, the concept that keeps coming up for me is Afrofuturism. Like this is what us having a future looks like. I, 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 that just, this keeps coming up for me is like, this is what Making sure we know and the young folks, and you know, that this is what this is Afrofuturism. And I know, and I, it, ironically, um, I think Tanahasi Coates famously is an Afro pessimist. And yet, here, right, but here is the work you all are doing to say this is how community, arts, um, you know, making it accessible so that you, if you live is, is incredible, but if you can't see it live, here's a way for you to see it. That's Afrofuturism right here on
1: it's so <laughs> everything real. you're describing. You know, and it's so funny. Ooh. It's so funny, especially, <laughs> see, you know, he's, he's, um, <laughs> he, you know, especially when I think about, it's so interesting, I think, because, you know, he sits in a, in such a space of, um, um, as a journalist, this idea of, of mm-hmm. fact. Um, and and yet, and yet, um, he's also one of those writers who writes comic books, which lives in the complete world of fiction. So I, I, I'm so fascinated by how we use our past to render our future and I think when we think about Afrofuturism, I think there is something to be said about, Afrofuturism is a context that I love that you, that you just manifested it, right? Because, you know, we started off saying that, you know, I, or I started off saying that, you know, I'm a, I am feel like I'm my grandmother's wildest dream, but I didn't, I, Afrofuturism is not something that arrives out of nowhere, right? It's not something that just arrives out of imagination. It's actually a future that has been plotted and planted, right? Um, but yet, we have to make sure that we are imagining ourselves amongst that trajectory, imagining ourselves in the tomorrow. Um, and you know and, and, it's, and when I think about T, I think about that about, about that lineage, right? Because he's so firmly planted in, in this world of as a historian and as a journalist while at the same time holding the future. Well, this is a perfect opportunity to, uh,
0: ask our, our question about how you would speak to your younger self. So Camila, you are sitting down to a sister brunch in your fabulous pink blazer and white shoes. (laughs) And I know she wearing the same looking cute. So you're having a sister brunch with your, with young Camila. Um, and for fun, what are you both drinking and eating? And then what do you tell her? What do you want to leave her with?
1: So I'm drinking a clear liquor because I like a tequila or vodka, particularly tequila because you do not get a hangover. I do not add any mixers. Because I know better, there
0: you um, got, a good quality that's tequila. That's what I have been doing right. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: a good quality, yeah. right? A good quality, yes. you yes. know, because we know now. Mm-hmm. My, my younger self might might still be on a mimosa, or which of mimosas are great, or, or you know, maybe a real like a mixer heavy, cute little drink. Um, I would say, and what I would say is, don't be so anxious for the next we're always so anxious I was always so anxious for the next that I forgot to savor the now that's what I'd say
0: Camila thank you so so much we we're so grateful for everything you do and for being here with us and um we got you in any and all ways
1: I just want to give you your flowers, mansion and and just say it's really an honor. It's really an honor to be here talking with you. And I really hope to continue to build more community with you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Sister Brunch, the podcast that brings you the stories of black women breaking barriers and bringing joy to entertainment and media. This is our fourth season, you all. That means there are three previous seasons, plus all of the fourth season available on our website. You can read our transcripts. You can see pictures and bios of our guests at sisterbrunch.com. We so appreciate your support by subscribing to the podcast on Apple, following us on Spotify, leaving us great reviews, sharing the podcast with your friends and family. You can also always interact with us on Instagram as Sister Brunch Podcast and support us. That's how you can support us by rating, reviewing, telling folks about us. We appreciate you so much. Sister Brunch is brought to you by Trujillo Productions. Our senior producer is Sanatalee Narsis. Our co-producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producers are Christabel Nsiyabwadi and, and Anya Adams. Our associate producers are Farida abdul Wahab and Mimi Slater. Our social media videos are cut by Maddie Black. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva and the Chumash people. Thank you so much for listening, you all, and we will catch you on the next one.